Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Hot for Justice podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Jamie. And we're coming at you live from the uh, podcasting spare bedroom. <laughs> well, soon to, be, soon to be baby nursery. Soon to be baby nursery. How does that feel? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. With your uh, just over half done baby. <laughs> <laughs> She's half baked. Half baked. She's more than half baked, thankfully. Like two thirds baked almost. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And we've got our guest a star named Dingo. He can't say hi, but he doesn't speak uh, human. Um, <laughs> and he's pretty quiet, so yeah. he's probably not going to... That's why he hangs out in here, because he's quiet. He doesn't bark. But he's looking at me right now, because he knows we're talking about him. <laughs> he's so goddamn cute. Do you want to yeah. give a little uh, history yeah, on, on D- Mr. Dingo? Dingo. He's sick. He just turned six. He's my firstborn fur child. <laughs> he's a toy Australian Shepherd, so he looks just like a puppy version of an Australian Shepherd, you know? Yeah. And, um, like, he's only 15 pounds, and he's tiny and adorable. Very smart, kind of a jerk, but I love him. Um, we post pictures of him on our Instagram every now and again, yeah. so if you're unfamiliar with the dingo. He's basically a model. He'll do anything yeah. for some cheese. I mean, wouldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah, and um, I just learned earlier today that uh he was in fact named after a dingo <laughs> ate my baby yeah uh, so if you guys don't know story that ever. story you need to listen to i think some podcast i'm sure does it well i think uh my on favorite my, murder yeah georgia they, did a whole yeah. thing on it because she's like oh i thought it was funny and then i was like oh shit like it's actually it's, like it's a, a thing <laughs> yeah so if you don't know this woman basically i think she was she was arrested right yeah, in, like, New Zealand? No, Australia. Okay. Yeah. And they, because her baby, like, went missing, and they all thought she killed her baby, but really, like, honestly, she said a dingo took him, or took it, and... and Ate the baby. And, and nobody believed her, but really, it actually did happen. Like, it came Yeah, out like, she happened. was, like, briefly arrested, and, like, I think, I think she, she went, went on trial. trial. Think, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so dingo, that's what dingo's named after, and I didn't do it, actually. My husband named him. Um, he thought it would be clever. And even though Dingo wouldn't eat a damn fly, no, no, he's, he tries to eat his larger dog sister sometimes, but who's a, a pit bull doesn't work <laughs> yeah. out well for him in, in those situations. He literally gets his ass beat. Yeah, <laughs> he's stupid. Uh, uh, she just wants to love him, and he won't let her. Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> but uh, so um, I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, the puppy corner. Yeah. Now we're gonna move on to our case corner. <laughs> The reason we're all actually here. <laughs> yes. So I'm going first this week. Yes. I and went first last week. Yep. Um, my, my case is pretty, there's not a lot of information on it, so I'm segueing into another hot topic um, yes. a little bit. Um, Give me all the hot it's, goss. It's a little shorter than mine last week, because mine last week was pretty hefty. It was a doozy, but yeah. honestly, like, I was super into it. Yeah. Um, it was and very interesting. Yeah. This week, mine's kind of more of a doozy. Yeah. Like, I think you kind of pre-read it. It's yeah. fucking wild. It is. I stopped reading it, but it's crazy. Yeah. And full disclosure, what I'm about to read is like, or like, it's pretty horrific. It's fucking bananas. Yeah. And also, like, I couldn't paraphrase it well, yeah. so I'm literally right word for wording off of a website. But we'll give credit where credits do. So yes. We will sort our sort source our size. Oh my god, I can't talk. Source our scientists. <laughs> source our cite our sources. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> whatever pregnancy brain (laughs) okay Um, go on okay so i'm featuring this case um on the recommendation of my cousin mel um so on my dad's side of the family we are native american and that's why your tan always looks so good thank you (laughs) um mel 
had when we first started this podcast she had said to me you should use that to kind of highlight some of the missing Native American women mm. um, because there's a lot of them and yeah. actually a lot of them are unsolved and I feel like that like Native Americans in general are very underrepresented they are we are. We are. Gosh, dang it. Get on that soapbox, um, bitch. So, <laughs> um, yep. I did some research um, before I kind of looked into this. I knew of this one specific case I wanted to do already. Okay. Um, mostly because Mel shares a lot about it on her Facebook, and I've seen it kind of as it's gone through. Oh, that's rad. Um, so, basically, I started researching about... Um, the number, like the amount of Native American women who've gone missing in the U.S. and it's really high. I'm not surprised, unfortunately. Yes. So, two female researchers, Abigail Echo Hawk, she's the director of the Urban Indian Health Institute at, at the Seattle Indian Health Board, and Anita Lucheski, Lucheski, maybe, she's a doctoral intern at the IUHI. Don't know what it stands for. Great. Um, <laughs> If they basically sounds uh, prestigious. It does. <laughs> so she sounds like a smart, smart ass lady. Unlike us, <laughs> <laughs> I'm educated. <laughs> You'd not know. Um, they asked 71 cities across the U.S. one question: How many Native American women have gone missing or been murdered in your city? And many of them, either it said 60% of police departments either didn't respond or only returned partial or incomplete data. Wow. They said they had identi- or difficulties identifying Native American victims. Literally how? Um, they, for some, like me, if you look at me, you'd probably just think I'm white. No, I, I mean, if the first time you told me that you had, like, Native American, you know, I was like, oh, really? It makes sense. It but, does. Like, but, but, like, I wouldn't yeah. Have, that wouldn't be my first guess. Right. I would assume, like, Irish or some shit. Yeah, which I am part. Most, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, really, uh, tell me more about your red hair and freckles. <laughs> well, well... So, for, like, most victims, if they're not sure their race, they just mark them as white. They, oh. They default. That's yeah. actually very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, and then they turn to, like, news to news outlets to, like, the, these women, they turn to news outlets to fill, like, the gaps in the information that they were oh, okay. getting from police departments. So, of 506 disappearances that they were able to document of Native American women, the majority of them were never covered by any news outlet. Wow. Um, Native American women on living on tribal lands are murdered at a rate more than 10 times the national average, according to data from the DOJ. Um, and it's the same in Canada. You know, obviously, we're all in North America. so Right, Canada, they were all here first. Yes. <laughs> Let's be um, real. <laughs> absolutely. Of Canada's female population, 4%, in, uh, Indigenous women make up nearly 25% of homicide victims. And that was data from 2012, so that's even old. Wow. Um, they're referred to, these Native American women are referred to as missing sisters. Oh. Sad. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a big problem. It's not talked about much. No. At all. And I think this kind of parallels a little bit back to, like, what, like what we talked about, talked about in the past, excuse mm-hmm. me, about how minorities, especially, like, you don't know, get the same coverage as pretty white people. 100%. Yeah. Like, if you're a, you know, a brown woman, like, you're not going to get talked about nearly as much as, especially if you're a rich white woman. Yeah. And, I mean, like, men, I think, are underrepresented, too, really. Like, yeah. As far as, like, victims. Yeah. Absolutely. I think most people are interested in this pretty... Blonde-haired, blue-eyed white woman. Yeah. And that's what you see. Unfortunately, yeah. So, 
Um, now I'm going to move on to my case. It's about Khadijah Britton. Um, oh, I did thumb through this one a little bit, yeah. actually. She... I pretended to do homework once. <laughs> I had some time, so I did my homework this week, you guys. Um, <laughs> so she's from Covello, California, which I think is more towards um, the coast, but it's still in Northern California. Okay, is it like, I mean, I'm just asking because I generally don't know. Is it like closer like Monterey? I think more like Redwood City. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's a 20, she was a, she is a 23-year-old member. I say is question mark. Because she may still was, be alive, question mark. Yeah. But probably not. Yeah. Um, she's a 23-year-old member of the Round Valley Indian tribe. Um, she was visiting a friend when her former boyfriend, um, 37-year-old Neji Valish the fourth. I could be saying his name wrong. Um, I'm not gonna lie, that kind of sounds a little bit like a fake name. Yeah, Neji, Neji. I don't know. Um, and his new girlfriend, 20-year-old Antonia Batista Dawson. He obviously likes women much younger than him. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, they came to the house. He approached the door with a gun, demanding that Khadijah come out and talk to him. Witnesses say they saw a fight broke out. He was seen chasing her around the car that was being driven by his new girlfriend. Okay. He shoves her, uh, Khadijah in the car and leaves with both women. Khadijah's never seen or heard from again. And they don't know what happened to her or slash can't find her. Wait, what about the other girl? She's still... She's not talking. So, what? Um, this... She went missing. Khadijah went missing about a week after um, her boyfriend Neji, Neji had attacked her with a hammer. She had made a police report, but according to her family, she dropped it, and they believed that she was coursed, coursed into that, like into dropping it. Right, like he probably um, like sweet talked her. And yeah, and like he, obviously he was very abusive to yeah. her. Um, and uh, you know he had a criminal record. Additional charges would have been really bad for him. So. This. Yeah, he probably just manipulated her and was like, hey, like, I'm going to go to jail for a long time Like, if you keep this shit up. Yeah. So, well, he figured out a way to... Silence her. Yeah. I mean, Talk. the police are pretty sure... I mean, they know it was... They were the last two people to be seen with her yeah. alive. Neither is talking. Um, both the boyfriend, Neji, and the girlfriend, Antonia, have been arrested and booked on other charges. He's currently serving four years sentence on a firearms charge. And I don't know about her. Um, but they have not... They don't have any other information. They've done a lot of searches for her, but they they haven't found her. Um, he's the primary suspect. They're investigating the girlfriend as well. Right. Um, in 2000, December 2018, the sheriff's office said they had, at that time, conducted 80 interviews, searched 20 vehicles, and conducted several search warrants throughout that year. So it's not like it's just sitting there. Yeah, I They're mean, it's still, like, it. pretty fresh. I yeah. mean, what, was 2012, you said? Um, sh no, in 2018. Oh, so last she year. was... She went missing. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. So, um, they've conducted several large-scale searches, but they haven't found her. Um, Khadijah is described as being 5 foot 8, 180 pounds. She has brown hair, brown eyes. Um, the... There is an award for information leading to the arrest and conviction mm -hmm. of whoever 
probably her boyfriend did this to her. I was just gonna say <laughs> the amount of the word I've oh, the award I've seen it in different amounts, so I'm I'm not sure what it is. What's it, what's the minimum you've seen? I I saw around sixty five grand, but okay, I've so if also you... seen eighty five grand, so I'm not sure. So um, anything over fifty k is sounds like it's up for grabs. It's if sub- you substantial, right? Um, if you have any information about her or where she is, please reach out to the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office or the Round Valley Tribal Police because they're both working it. Oh. Yeah. So that's literally all. Um, I listened. There's a full episode on the Vanish podcast. It's episode 144 mm-hmm. where she talks to her uh, Khadija's aunt okay. um, and some of her family. Like, you know, she seemed like a great so it's really sad that this happened to her. Was she on, like, social media or anything at all? So, like, are there, like, pictures of her, like, public? Uh, there are a lot of pictures out that, like, it's actually been covered a lot by the news. Mm-hmm. Um, in this area, I'm not sure, like, nationwide, like, but... I mean, like, personally, I've never heard of it. Yeah. But, I mean, before I, like, saw, like, like thumb through your note. Yeah. Um, so there's... You can Google and mm-hmm. it'll come up, but... And we'll post pictures of her, too, anything Absolutely. that's available on our Instagram but, and Facebook and shit. You know, she's only 20... She's only 23, and um, I don't think that the sheriff's office is really investigating it as if she's still alive. So, but, you know, if you have information about it, like, you need to say something. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I mean, there is a, an off chance that she could be still be alive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very sad. So, yeah. I hope they find her... And, you know, um, I hope to be covering more, like, missing um, or, like, cold cases of Native American women just because I can. Uh, well, yeah, you, sh- <laughs> you sure as shit can. And somebody so, should be. <laughs> absolutely. So that's all I have. Oh, boy. Okay. And now we get into your doozy. Okay. It's a doozy. I read through a little bit of yours. It's a lot. Okay. I'm sitting back currently, and I'm, I have my cider um, for moral she support. Does. But uh, I do have to say, in my notes for yours, mm-hmm. I wrote WTF, because yeah. this is, mm, it's brutal. I know. When I first, like, heard it, I was like, what the fuck is this? So, um, just to kind of start out, uh, the name of the murders is the Ketty murders. Um, there are some, I, I believe there's a movie, like a documentary that is on, um, I want to say it's on Amazon Prime. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Oh, yeah, right here. It was released in 2008. It's called Cabin 28. It's a documentary film. I want to watch. I think it's on Amazon Prime, but we should watch it. Yeah. I I didn't have time to watch it before filming or filming, (laughs) recording. Uh, Maybe one day we'll put this on YouTube, but, like, honestly, like, I look very haggard right now, so, you know, maybe not the best. This is the first time I've worn makeup all week. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, anyway. I was pretty proud of myself. (laughs) Prior to recording this, um, I did not have a chance to watch the documentary, but I, I would like to because I think it's very, very. This case is very fucking interesting. You said it's Cabin Twenty Eight, is what it's Cabin Twenty Eight. I think it's like four bucks on Amazon Prime to rent okay, it or cool. something. Yeah, um, I definitely want to do that because it sounds interesting. And yeah. I actually kind of have, well, where it's, it takes place at mm-hmm. is. I have family, like, not in that, like, kind of close to that area. Like, adjacent to the area. Yeah, so um, I actually was in yeah. in um, that area last year. So Wild. Yeah. Um, for a couple days, actually. So this case is also covered in media, like, kind of loosely. So uh, the 2008 film The Strangers, I don't know if you've oh, seen that. Oh, God, that movie gave me so many nightmares. That movie is 
terrifying. Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar, it details an ambush of a couple in a rural vacation home by three masked assailants. Um, basically, so there's a lot of like bloggers and like basically like redditors that were drawing a lot of um, similarities between yeah. the Keddie murders and the Strangers movie. Okay. Um, so a lot of people think it was influenced by that very heavily. Yeah, I know the Strangers movie is, I think, like, just in general, influ- like, influenced by... Murders. Like, well, like, real events. Yeah, because... Yeah. I think it says, like, it's... Based on true events. Right, because um, I think the Strangers 2 came out semi-recently, like, a couple years ago. Well, I didn't watch it. I, I did watch that one. <laughs> the first one gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one, I think, says also that it's based, like, loosely on true events. But it, But people think that, specifically, the Kennedy murders are what influence the horse wedding. Okay. I feel like I've seen something else about these murders. Um, so, um, like on Investigation a... Discovery did a docu-series um, in 2016 about it. Okay. So, I don't know if you watch ID, but... No, we don't have cable. I don't either, so I... <laughs> your guess is And I lived mine. in Germany, so I definitely probably wouldn't probably have not. seen it. But I feel like a podcast covered it or something. That's entirely possible. I want to say, because I listen to a lot of True Crime Garage, I, they might have covered it, because this seemed similar to me like I parts of the like details seemed kind of familiar to me but I couldn't like pinpoint exactly where I listened to it yeah so I'm gonna I felt like I'm gonna look at the podcast that I listened to and see if someone else has done an episode yeah if so I'll link it down below um otherwise I think I've just heard details yeah just here and there well it's pretty yeah because this is fucking I mean I might have even heard it from some family because my dad's side of the family is from like up in that northern California area yeah um so anyway, by all means, proceed. Yes. So this is long and heavy. So if you, and it's probably it's pretty graphic too. So very. Just um, this is not for the faint of heart. Um, a warning, y'all might. Yeah, and again, I I am reading this like th- I will kind of paraphrase where I can and kind of try to shorten it. Yeah. But like I am, I did get this from a website because they're gonna say it and have better details, and I'm gonna be able to just kind of conglomerate on my own. <sighs> All, All right, right, here we go. Hold on to your assholes. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. I wasn't expecting it. Great. I, that's the episode title. Uh, <laughs> hold on to your assholes. Yes. All right. That's it. So I'm going to paint you a picture. Okay. It's the fall of 1980. Uh, Susan Sharp, uh, we'll call her Sue. Uh, she was born uh, March 29th, 1945. That makes her 35. Yep. Her and her five children left her home in Connecticut after separating from her husband, James. Uh, she decided to relocate to Northern California, where her brother, Don, was residing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, upon arriving in California, she began renting Cabin 28 at the Keddie Resort in rural Sierra Nevada County. Or, sorry, the rural Sierra Nevada, Nevada community of Keddie. So, it's just kind of like a little... I don't want to call it like a suburb, because it's the middle of the fucking woods. Yep. But a little area in uh, this year in Nevada County. Okay. Um, so she lived there with her 15-year-old son, John, 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, 12-year-old daughter, Tina, and two younger sons, Rick and Greg. Damn, she's a lot of kids. Yeah. The kids uh, ranged in age from 15 to 5. Okay. How many is that? There's five. Woo. Yeah. She has three boys and two girls. Okay. Um, April 11th, 1981. So, uh, about six-ish months after she moved mm-hmm. to California. Uh, 1.30 p.m., Sue and Sheila, uh, her older daughter, mm-hmm. drove from Ketty to pick up John and his friend Dana uh, from Ganser Park in Quincy, California, and brought them back to Ketty. Um, it was about a five-mile trip. Okay. 
Two hours later, around 3.30, John and Dana hitchhiked back to Quincy, where they had plans to visit friends. Around this time, the two were seen in the city's downtown area. A local woman, Donna Williams, claimed to have picked them up in front of a tire store and gave them a ride down the road to another friend's house. They were later seen attending a party at the Oakland camp in Quincy. That same evening, Sheila had plans to spend the night at with the Seabolt family who lived in an adjacent cabin while Sue stayed home with Greg, Rick, and the boy's young friend, Justin Smart. Sheila departed the home around 8 p.m., leaving her mother alone with the younger boys. So she's only home with two kids? Uh, two, the, so the two, two youngest sons and their friend. Okay. Then the friend lived, like, basically, like, I think a couple cabins down. Okay. And then the three oldest kids are gone. Yes. Like, they're, with friends. Yep. Okay. So, um... Tina had been watching television at the Seabolts, returned home around 9.30 um, after Sheila arrived to spend the night. So, around 7 a.m. the next morning, April 12th, Sheila returned home and discovered the dead bodies of Sue, John, and Dana in the cabin's living room. All three had been bound with adhesive tape and wire. Tina was absent from the home while the three younger children, Rick, Greg, and Justin, were unharmed in an adjacent bedroom. Oh, wow. So, oh. Yes. So, uh, so John and Dana were the old, so the older son uh-huh. and his, and his like, friend. best friend, basically. And then the three, the two younger boys and the friend are in a, another a bedroom and they're fine. Yes. What? Initial reports state that three young boys had slept through the incident, though this was later contradicted. Oh, man. Upon dis- it is brutal i don't know how you could sleep through that me either especially if you're like a young kid right like i was i'm a very light sleeper mm -hmm. i always have been and i feel like most kids kind of tend to be yeah um upon discovering the scene sheila rushed back to the seabolt cabin where james seabolt retrieved rick greg and justin through the bedroom window he later admitted to having briefly entered the cabin through the back door to see if anyone was still alive potentially contaminating evidence the murders of Sue, John, and Dana were notably vicious. Two bloodied knives and one hammer were found at the scene, and one of the knives, uh, a steak knife that was later, later determined to be used in the murder, had been bent in half due to extreme force. Damn. Blood spatter evidence from inside the house indicated that the murders of the three had all taken place in the living room. Sue was discovered lying on her side near the living room sofa and was nude from the waist down. She had been gagged with a blue bandana and her own underwear, which had been secured on her face with duct tape. In addition to suffering stab wounds to her chest, her throat had also been slashed, and an imprint matching the butt of a Daisy 880 BB gun was found on the side of her head. Hmm. That's interesting. A BB gun? Right. Like it kind of makes me feel like somebody younger would have a BB gun and not a real right. gun. Right. Not, so, like, not like a full-ass adult. Yeah. Or someone that couldn't have a real gun. Right. But this is America and everybody has guns. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, John had also had his throat slit while Dana had suffered multiple head injuries and had been manually strangled. All three victims had blunt force trauma to their heads and were later determined to have been caused by a hammer or hammers. Autopsies undertaken several days later at Sacramento County determined that each had died as re- as a result of multiple knife wounds and blunt force trauma. Yeah. Okay. So like Quincy, my I was there because my cousin had her baby there mm-hmm. um, last year, and it is a sm- like we talk about my hometown being tiny. 
Quincy is tinier Fucking than small. that. It's mm-hmm. tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. And for something like that to happen there, I was shocked when I read that because initially I'm like, where is this at? Right. And then I, when you had said Quincy, I was like, eh. yeah, like because it's like a little mountain town. Like, I say, yeah, I joke about like where you're like from as being the middle of bumfuck nowhere. This is the, the true bumfuck nowhere. Yeah. Like middle of the woods bumfuck nowhere. Yeah, like it's pretty creepy in yeah. places out there like mm-hmm. that. Um, upon interviewing Sheila and the Seabolt family, again, Sheila's older daughter, she was spending the night at the Seabolt house. Yeah. Um, law enforcement had found that, uh, nobody had heard any commotion during the hours that the crime had taken place. And this is the adjacent cabin. So I'm, it's kind of wild that nobody heard anything. Yeah. Because of how brutal it was. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, another couple who had resided nearby reported waking up around 1.30 a.m. to what sounded like muffled screaming, but were unable to decipher where it was coming from, and then went back to bed. Hmm. So how did the cabin next door not hear anything? Or the kid, like the little kids? Yeah, that's Very weird. strange. Uh, when inventorying the sharp cabin for missing items, Sheila was able to determine that Tina's jacket, shoes, and a shoebox containing various tools were absent. The sharp cabin showed no indication of forced entry. The detectives did recover an unidentified fingerprint from a handrail on the stairs that were leading that led to the cabin's back door. The telephone had been left off the hook, and all of the lights had been shut off, as well as the drapes all closed. I feel like it's probably a kind of, the kind of place where you don't lock your doors, which is probably why right. they didn't, like, it wasn't forced open. Right. Who did the Seabolt family consist of? Like, was it mom, dad, kid, or how many kids, or, like... It sounds like it was just, like the mom dad and, and i'm assuming probably an older daughter as well yeah because i don't know why like, sheila would go hang out with just like a couple of adults yeah like it doesn't explicitly say like how many children they had but um okay but it's weird yeah like up here bah, 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 bah. sorry i like just yeah i know there's a lot of people at play here no there's like a billion people in this fucking story uh, yeah the seabolts yeah i think it was just like a, a couple and i think one other kid. I think they had one kid. Okay. Um, th- by the way, I have a bunch of crime scene photos. We'll put them on Instagram, whatever is, yeah. whatever I, is the least gnarly, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to put too I mean, much you shit. can Google too on your own. A million percent. Eventually, uh, one day we'll have our own website, but yeah, we're, we're, we're too, taking it one thing at a time. We're poor. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, law enforcement interviewed several potential suspects, including one man who was, uh, had disappeared from Keddie shortly after the murders and was later found in Oregon. After submitting a polygraph, submitting to a polygraph test, the suspect was cleared. One of the Sharps' neighbors, Marilyn Smart, uh, Justin's mom. Okay. That was the other little boy that was staying over. Right. Well, she probably was traumatized. Yes. She claimed she found a bloody jacket that belonged to Tina in her basement and turned it into police, though no official record of this exists. Hmm. And if you remember, uh, the other daughter had said one of Tina's jackets was missing. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Very. How old is Tina? Uh, Tina, I believe, was uh, 12. Okay. Yeah, 12. That's a... Sheila's 14, Tina's 12. Okay. Um, yeah, fucking bananas. Yikes. Well, the other thing, too, is, like, like Tina was still alive. Yeah. So, like, why was her jacket bloody? Right. Like, I have a lot That's, of questions about that. Yeah. And, like, the only shit that was missing was Tina's shit. Right. And Tina was at someone else's house. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, yeah, she was at a, a friend's house. Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, her, so, Mr. Smart, 
uh, also claimed that a claw hammer had gone missing from his home. Hmm. Uh, Plumas County Sheriff Doug Thomas presided over the case, said that Martin had, Martin Smart, uh, had provided endless clues in the case that seemed to throw suspicion away from him. In addition hmm. to interviewing the Smarts, detectives interviewed numerous other locals and neighbors, um, including members of the Seabolt family, had recalled uh, seeing an unknown green van parked at the Sharp cabin around 9 p.m. Others recalled noticing a brown uh, Dotson parked at the residence that evening, which appeared to have a tire that was going flat. Hmm. So a couple of unidentified cars. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I also find it very interesting that, you know, Justin was unharmed and his yeah. parents are providing all this information that it's weird yeah i mean yeah that's really weird very weird but you would think that justin would have, like if it were his parents or hit one of his parents he mm. he would have said something well i think justin was only like five or six like he was really but young yeah but that's kind of like my point like little kids they have no filter you know that's true like he'd be like yeah i saw my dad mm-hmm. or whatever you know i feel like but right. maybe not maybe he was I don't know. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. uh, bah, bah, bah. Uh, Justin Smart had, or sorry, yeah, Justin Smart told detectives conflicting stories of the evening, including that he had dreamt details of the murders, though he later claimed to have actually witnessed them. In the latter account of events, under uh, hypnosis, a biopsychologist uh, by at the Children's Hospital of LA, Justin claimed to have heard unusual sounds coming from the living room while he was watching television in the bedroom with Rick and Greg. Upon investigating the sounds, he witnessed Sue with two men, one with a mustache and long hair, and the other clean-shaven with short hair. Both men were wearing glasses. Um, by the way, there is a composite sketch of those two mm-hmm. suspects that Justin um, describes, and we're going to post pictures of that for sure. Yeah. According to Justin, John and Dana had then entered the home and began heatedly arguing with the men, resulting in a fight that spiraled into violence. Tina purportedly... <laughs> Uh, entered the room during the altercation and was taken out to the cabin's back door by one of the men. Oh, so Tina was there. Okay. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. But she was unarmed. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Tina was fine. There's just a lot of people. Sorry. There's (laughs) so many fucking people. Um, yeah, so she was escorted outside. Based on Justin's descriptions, composite sketches were produced. Uh, suspects were described described as being in their late 20s to early 30s one was about 511 uh to 62 and with dark blonde hair and the other between 56 and 510 with black greased hair um both were wearing gold framed glasses uh rumors regarding the crimes being ritualistic or motivated by drug trafficking were dismissed by plumas county uh who stated that the week following the murders that no drug paraphernalia or illegal drugs were found in the home um also of note up there i think uh, marijuana especially was very like yeah because it's very rural and yeah because that's a kind of up near like Humboldty area for yeah. those who aren't unfamiliar yeah uh, a family acquaintance later told detectives that Dana had recently stolen an unknown quantity of LSD from local dealers though she was unable to provide proof of the claim so and Dana is the friend okay the friend yeah. of John right just for clarification yeah so it could have been like they were after her and they just killed the other adults. Dana's a man. A boy. Ah! A boy named Dana! <laughs> yes. Shoot, I thought it was a girl. Uh, okay. Dana's boy. Not bad. Yeah, so um, there's, like, rumors, basically, that the drug dealers were, like, seeking revenge on okay. Dana, and when the boys came, well, they knew that they, him and John were friends. They went to the house. Thank they you. weren't there. What's-her-face? Sheila was there. Yeah. 
Sue, excuse me, not Sheila. Sheila yeah. was the daughter that lived. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking bananas. Um. Okay. So Tino. Oh, sorry. Um, I know I keep saying that Tina has arrived, but uh, I'm blowing smoke out of my own ass. Okay. So Tina is the one, her jacket, bloody jacket was found. Yes. Um, Tina was believed to have been abducted from the crime scene. Okay. Her disappearance was initially investigated by the FBI, though it was reported that on April 29th, 1981, so like just over two weeks Mm -hmm. after the incident, the FBI started backing off the search as the Department of Justice was doing an adequate job, quote-unquote, and made the FBI's presence in the case unnecessary. Okay. A grid pattern search of the area covering a five-mile radius around the cabin was conducted with police canines, but efforts were fruitless. Mm-hmm. Three years later, after the, after the murder and Tina's disappearance, a bottle collector discovered a, a portion of a human skull and part of a mandible at Camp 18 near Feather Falls in a neighboring Butte County, a distance mm-hmm. of about 100 miles from Ketty. Yeah, I was going to say... Like, that's um, far. Yeah. Uh, Butte County is where a lot of those fires were yep. last year, um, if you're familiar with all of that. Um, after announcing the discovery of the cranium, Butte County Sheriff's Office was uh, received an anonymous call that identified the remains as belonging to Tina. But the call was not documented in the case. Hmm. A record of this call was found at the bottom of an evidence box at some point in 2013 oh, wow. by a deputy who was assigned to the case. The remains were confirmed by forensic pathologists to be those of Tina Sharp in June of 1984. So again, that piece of evidence that was her head was hidden at the bottom of a box for 30 years. <sighs> 29 years. Yikes. It no, seems like a lot of this 39 years. is very Math. sloppy. Um, Police work? Yeah. 100%. And especially because... But like, they're small towns. They don't deal with stuff like this. Well, yeah. And my fucking problem is that the FBI is like, no, they're doing fine. Bye. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, really, realistically, things like this do not happen in places like that. Often. No. Um, near the skeletal remains, detectives also found a child's blanket, a blue nylon jacket, a pair of Levi jeans with missing back pocket, and an empty, empty surgical da- tape dispenser. Hmm. Um, Weird. Later in 1996, uh, Robert Joseph Silveria Jr. was examined as a potential suspect in the murders. The cabin in which the murders occurred was demolished in 2004. Um, in that documentary that I cited earlier on the murders, mm-hmm. Marilyn Smart claims that she uh, suspected that her husband Martin and his friend John uh, Bobody, uh, or he's also called John Booty, okay. were responsible for the murders of Sue, John, Dana, and Tina. So, now all of a sudden, Marilyn is sus of her own husband. So Marilyn's um, the little boy's mom. Yeah, Justin, the one okay. one of the ones that lived. Yep. Yeah, so Weird. Martin Smart was the one that was saying that, like, his hammer was missing and he was providing all this information to the cops that, like, made it basically seem like he wasn't doing it. Was Sue sexually assaulted? Uh, they only claim that she was found naked from the waist down. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, maybe. I, maybe they're, like, with... I mean, sometimes, you know... They there might be withholding information. Yeah. I just wonder. I mean, that kind of would lead you to believe she had been assaulted if her... Yeah, in my heart of hearts, I believe that she probably was. Um, yeah. But I mean, like again, there's no hardcore evidence I found to substantiate that. Yeah. Uh, but 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 Marilyn Smart claimed that on the evening of the crime, she had left Martin and uh, just call him Bo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Boobity at a local bar around 11 and returned home to go to bed. Around 2 a.m. on April the 12th, the day the bodies were found, she stated she awoke to find the two burning an unknown item in the wood stove. 
Additionally, she alleged that Martin hated Johnny Sharp with a passion. So, so the oldest son. But why he's a little boy? No, he was the oldest son. Oh, well, yeah, but he's still a boy. Um, right. Like, you he know, because 15. He's, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, what? you're a grown-ass man, you hate a 15-year-old with like, a passion. Like, fuck off. Right, like, why? What? Right. Um, in that documentary, the uh, county sheriff, Doug Thomas, told the filmmakers that he'd personally interviewed Martin confirmed he had successfully passed a polygraph examination that which isn't fucking hard shit, though. because like they don't accept those in court for a reason because they're yes. unreliable i mean yeah they can be a quote-unquote tool they mm-hmm. do use them but like right that that could just mean you're a really good liar you're a sociopath you're a psychopath that you don't like you know mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm on my soapbox no you're good um but martin smart died of cancer in portland oregon in june of 2000 uh, John Bobity, who allegedly had ties to organized crime in Chicago, died in Chicago in 1988. So okay. just a few years after the murders. Yeah. So they're dead. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not talking. Absolutely not. And um, even if they are involved, we'll never truly know. Yeah. Um, March 24th of 2016, a hammer matching the description of the claw hammer that Martin had claimed to have lost was discovered in a local pond hmm. and taken to, into evidence by Plumas County Special Investigators. Uh, da, 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 da. That's really mm-hmm. weird. The location that the hammer was found would have been, it makes it would have, so it would have been intentionally put there right. and not accidentally lost. Um, yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a pond. Right. Um, around that time, six potential suspects were being examined. Hmm. In a 2016 article published by the Sacramento Bee uh, that detailed the discovery of the hammer, uh, bu- uh, sorry, hmm. uh, it cuts off in a weird way. <laughs> it does. I'm like that, that makes absolutely no sense. You guys can't see us, but right now I'm we're making I'm, uh, peering over Jamie's shoulder, reading as she's talking. Right. Um, oh, so okay, so they're saying that so right after the murders, basically, uh, Martin smart had left Keddy and went to Reno. Okay. He then sent letters to Marilyn uh, ruminating on personal struggles in their marriage and he said, I've paid the price of your love and now I've bought it with other people's lives. Hmm. Yeah. A weird thing to say. Very weird thing to say. That's probably when she started to get sus. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, in 2016, investigators said that the letters was o- the letter was overlooked in the initial investigation and never admitted as evidence. He later criticized the quality of the initial investigation, like we were earlier, yeah. uh, saying that the Academy could have done a better job. I mean, they should have maybe, like, called in a bigger time, like, agency to help them. Yeah, and honestly, the FBI fucked up. Yeah. Like, 100% there. Right. Oh, the DOJ has it. I mean, it's but, fine. I mean, yeah, really, like, places, like I said, they mm-hmm. w- how would they know how to... <sighs> yeah, anyway, okay, I'm done. <laughs> um... So, a counselor that Martin regularly visited also alleged that he had admitted to the murders of Sue and Tina, but claimed, I didn't have anything to do with the boys. He allegedly told the counselor that Tina was killed to prevent her from identifying him, as she had witnessed the whole thing. Hmm. So, the bas- boys were already in the room, though, so it, like, right? I mean, it sounds right. like, so they were just kind of like, well, if they didn't see me. Mm-hmm. And then the last little bit I have here is that in April of last year, Investigators state that DNA evidence recovered from a piece of tape at the crime scene matches that of a known living suspect. Twist. And that's all we know. 
That's nuts. So when did this happen? This originally took place in, sorry, excuse me, I gotta scroll all the way to the top here, fall of night, or uh, April 11th of 1981. Damn. So again, DNA like wasn't super a thing then. Not at all. Yeah, and so now that it's being re-examined, there's evidence that so is linked to somebody that's still alive, unlike uh, the two dead suspects that oh I, I personally goodness. think did it. I mean... Or it's possible the third person was involved because of how many people were dead. But Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, I would assume more than one person was involved just because two boys, teenage boys, mm-hmm. and an adult woman. It's You're going to need more than one person to control that situation. Yeah. And I do think that Tina was kind of an afterthought. Like, I don't think they wanted to kill her. Yeah, but she I think saw she, it, then yeah. she saw it, which is probably why they took her and mm-hmm. dropped her. Maybe they weren't going to kill her, but then they had to. I don't know. That's right. bonkers. Isn't that fucking bananas? Yeah. I Honestly, I think what gets me the most is that, like, I know, I, I know where that is, and it just doesn't seem like something of that magnitude would happen there but i really want to watch the documentary now yeah i do too i'm we're gonna i'm gonna watch maybe it. that'll be our screen recap yeah. we'll do a follow-up on this or maybe we can like i mean we can watch it and like do it talk about it briefly and like we'll workshop this yeah. later <laughs> yes good point because uh, right now we're gonna go eat we're hungry there's uh, chicken wraps waiting for us yeah. <laughs> on the other room anyways well, um, if you guys know anything about either case, please say something. We are going to put in information, as we do, in our show notes so that you can, um, you know, call if you have a tip or talk yeah, to your family. appropriate authorities. You, you know, you mm-hmm. think that these podcasts are interesting. Talk to people you know who are alive and in the area. I do that with my mom all the time. You yeah. never know who's going to know somebody or who knows something. So. A billion percent. <sighs> yep. On that note, we will talk to you next week. Yep. See you later. Adios. Bye. Bye.